Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. It's so good to be back. Yeah, I know I was here on uh, January 1st, but it, it's always amazing what, what, what Sunday Away does. And I'll, I'll kind of get to that here a little bit later. But, you know, uh, beginning of the year, you know, as, as a pastor, uh, I get dinged with a whole bunch of articles and everything, talking about New Year this, New Year that, all the, the trends for upcoming 2023, you know, all of those type of things. And, and I've been looking at that. And, and one of the things that I've seen within those trends, it's, it's not about church growth. It, it, it's not about trying to get more, more people in the seats, which that's a great thing, and, and, you know, I would love to have more people, you know, become a part of, of what's going on, but, but it's all about discipleship and, and how important discipleship is. And, and discipleship, now, hear, hear me when I say this, because I'm not telling you that I don't want you to be part of any of the classes that we have going on, because I definitely want you to be a part of those classes, but, but discipleship is a lot more than sitting in a class for an hour in between worship. It's more than being a part of a a Tuesday night small group or a Wednesday night small group. Discipleship is all about having the mind of Christ and and allowing that mind of Christ to be be who and, and whose we are. So I thought for this year, as we begin 2023 together, that, that we would take a look at what it means to have the mind of Christ. And that's okay. And I'm not saying that we are Christ or whatever, but, the, but there is Christ in us. And Paul tells us that it is something that we can attain. We, we look first at Philippians 2, 2, 5, where he says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So, so in the relationships that we have, we are to have the mind of Christ in us. And then early in Romans chapter 13, verse 14, he says, rather close yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So to fully live and to fully understand discipleship, we, we understand that, that we want to be one with Christ. We want to have Christ inside of us. We want to have anything and everything we do have that not only appearance, but have that, 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 that continuality with Jesus Christ. That way when people look at us, they, they don't see Chris, they, they don't see Lindsay, they don't they don't see Jay. They, they see Christ in us. So, so as we begin our time together, I invite you to go to God in prayer with me. Let us pray. Oh God, as the praise team sang, 
we want you to take our lives and transform them. Transform them into the mind of Christ so that we may think the thoughts of Christ, that we may have the heart of Christ, and that we may live out the will of Christ. So, Lord, we ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. So, how, how do we attain the mind of Christ? Dallas Willard, in his book, Renovation of the Heart, he, he came up with five underlying conditions that, that help lead to godly thinking. And when he talks about these five underlying conditions, he says that we must be a part of what is called replacement thinking. Now, this is not just a, 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 a quick word just to make sure you know where I'm going. I'm not talking name it and claim it stuff. I'm not saying that, that if you will something so hard that it will happen. What I'm saying is that we must replace a lot of the things we do or say with, with new thinking. That's kind of the purpose of the, the Wednesday night study that I've been doing uh, on, on Wednesday nights. We, we talked about the, the good and beautiful God, and, and that was all a part replacing the, the bad narratives that we may have about who God is and replace them with, with good thinking about who God is. Now we're doing the good and beautiful you because if you're like me, there are times in my life where I have these false narratives about who I am and who God has created me to be, and, and we're taking the opportunity to take those false narratives and replace them. But, but Dallas Willard says that this replacement is, is very necessary when we talk about discipleship because it is taking those, those things that we may think about ourselves and, and changing them to, to about who Christ is and what Christ has called us to be. In this same book, uh, Renovation of the Heart, Dallas Willard says this. He says, the process of spiritual formation in Christ is one of progressively replacing destructive images and ideas with the images and ideas that filled the mind of Christ himself. When we take the opportunity to, to, to replace those ideas that we receive from the world and, and we, we replace them with the ideas that filled the mind of Jesus Christ himself. That is what discipleship is. It, it's this formation. It's this growing in our hives. So, so over the next five weeks, we are going to talk about five underlying conditions that, that we must have in our lives to, to build up this replacement thinking or to have the mind of Christ. And they're going to sound very familiar with because they, they fall along lines with the fruit of the Spirit. The five underlying conditions that we're going to talk about are joy, love, peace, faith, and hope. Let me say those again. Joy, love, peace, faith, and hope. When we take the opportunity to, to replace those thinking with, with the way that Jesus looked at those five practices or, or those five conditions, then we too can see 
that our lives will be changed and that our lives will grow. But there's one important thing that we must look at before we take a look at those five underlying conditions. And I think here at the beginning of the year, it is so important that we start thinking about this, and that is that we must practice gratitude. Gratitude is something that we must hold in our lives, and and sometimes, if you're like me, gratitude is one of the first things to go. Gratitude is one of those things that I say, you know what, life is just blah, I'm trying to censor myself there, but life is just so horrible that I don't want to be grateful for anything. I want to just grow it, gripe and moan and, and, and just be negative because everything else is so negative. Gratitude's easy to have when, when things are going well. It's so easy to be gra- grateful when, when things are just falling in line, but, but we have to really think about how do we practice gratitude when times are rough? How do we practice gratitude when things are hard? You know, over the past few years, there's always a meme that shows up around this time, and I know I saw it recently for 2023. It's the warranty meme. Yeah, I think I want to play out the next 30 days to check out my warranty for 2023 before I, I, I send it back. And I think sometimes in our own lives, we can feel that way too. Let's just kind of see how things go. And, and, and we won't really be positive about anything. Or we won't be negative about anything. But, you know, if we just want to just kind of shove it aside, we can shove it aside. So as we begin to look at gratitude, we're going to take a look at Scripture. And we're going to especially look at Jesus because there was a time that, that Jesus had a, a really, really rough time. But we see that Jesus work through this time showing gratitude. It was a time where Jesus had three friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Jesus was out doing what Jesus did. He was out teaching, and, and word came to him that, that Lazarus wasn't doing so well. So the disciples said, do we need to go check out and see what's going on with Lazarus? And Jesus said, no, I think we're, we're fine. Lazarus will be okay. And, and he hung around for about two more days, and then he said, let's, let's go back to see Lazarus. He, he's sleeping. And the disciples were like, well, okay, well, if he's sleeping, that means he's just going to get better, right? But, but Jesus already knew that Lazarus has passed. So, so as Jesus and the disciples move their way to Bethany, they, they come in contact with, with Mary and Martha and those who love Lazarus, and everybody's mourning and weeping because Lazarus has not only been dead, but he's been dead for four days. And, and Mary and Martha, they, they, they question Jesus, say, you know, if you would have come here whenever we first called you to be here, we, we, Lazarus would, be still here, would still be here. You would have been able to heal him, and we would still have our brother, and you would still have your friend. But Jesus then walked out to the tomb. And we hear the words, the, the, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. But then, as we pick up for our scripture for this morning, we hear Jesus being thankful. Our scripture is from John chapter 11, verses 41 through 42. Hear the word of the Lord. So they took away the stone, 
And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father, I thank you that you heard me. Those words from Jesus shows a a sense of gratitude. But but it's a sense of gratitude, not because Jesus was doubting that, that the Father was going to hear him. It was a sense of gratitude to allow those that were around him to know that the Father heard him. And to let them know and understand that, that when they pray to the Father, that God would also hear them. How many times have we had moments in our lives where we have failed to pray because we, we feel like that what we're saying hits up against some invisible barrier and our prayers just bounce back down to us? How many times in our lives have we just felt so hopeless and so, so hurried that, that we just complain about what is going, around, or going on around us and we fail to take the opportunity to give thanks for what God will do in the midst of our lives, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our sorrows. This verse helps us see that that when we take opportunities to be thankful, we know that the Father is always listening to us. We may not fully understand the, the outcomes of what may happen, but we also know that God works everything out for God's good, for his love and for his mercy. Paul, in his first letter to the Thessalonians, in chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, knows all about this, and he gives us a way that we are to continue in our lives. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Go ahead and hold that up there for just a second. Look at those words, to to rejoice always, that no matter what may be happening in your life right now, to take the opportunity to rejoice, because even in the midst of those difficult times, God is with us. To to pray continually, to know that, that even though we may not have the answer right there and right now, that God continues to hear our prayers. And even when times are difficult and rough, we give thanks. Because Christ gave thanks. And Christ gave thanks to each and every one of us. So as we prepare to to take on these five underlying conditions, I want us to think about how we can be thankful in each situation or in all circumstances. The very first thing is that we must do a better job to be on the lookout for things to be grateful for. As I said at the beginning of the message, or that we get to a little bit later, you know, there is something about being away for a week that when I walk into the sanctuary 
and, and, and I hear the chatter that is going on in the room, and I see people that, are, that I haven't seen before coming into the place, my heart is just full. And, and I give thanks because God has given me the opportunity to be the pastor of this congregation. God has given me the opportunity to be the pastor in, in this community to share his love and grace with more and more people. See, every time, even when things are bad, there is always something to thank him for, no matter how small. No matter how insignificant you may feel like it is in your life, there is always something to give thanks for. Another way that we do that is to look for ways to help others. Caring about others and reaching out to them always puts our problems in perspective. And that, that's why I want us to be an outward-driven church. I, I don't want us to be focusing on those little things that, that, that might hold us back or, or that might cause us to, to have negative thinking about what is happening around us. But when we have the opportunity to look for ways to help others to care and to, to, to support. It helps us to see what it is that we are absolutely grateful for. This past week, uh, myself, BJ and Laura May, we, we had, BJ Eggleston and Laura May, we went to the school board meeting on Thursday night because they wanted to thank us for the work that we do uh, helping the community rally around the students of Roy City ISD who may not have a, a, a Christmas opportunity or a chance to celebrate Christmas. And, and while we were there, it, my heart was just filled with gratitude. Gratitude for the work that you have done. Gratitude for the work that our community has done. Gratitude for the work of the people who are behind the scenes making the Red Nose Bulldog Project work so that kids may celebrate Christmas. But it also reminds me, as I had the opportunity to address the school board, is that we exist to make our community better. Not because we want to bring honor and glory to us, but we, we do that so that all honor and glory and praise goes to Jesus Christ. That we can proclaim him and what he has done in us to others so that they may see him in all we do. And when we have the opportunity to do that, because I'll admit, I, I, I'm not big into meetings like that. I think I even told Laura and I told BJ that as we were sitting there, gosh, I hate this. I don't want to be here. But, but, but to have that opportunity to allow them to say thanks to us and to allow us to continue to be in the work, it helped me to see this is what the body of Christ is about. This is what we are called to do as servants of the Most High God. And I think one of the ways that helps me to get there is that we must take the opportunity to immerse ourselves in God's Word. When we take the opportunity to, to look at God's Word and see exactly what it says for us, then we can allow that gratitude to be a part of who we are. There are many different ways for you to experience gratitude as you read scriptures. There are many Bible plans that are out there that all you have to do is look up gratitude Bible plans, and, and many plans will come down. So if you feel like you're having a hard time being grateful, go to that and allow God's word to, to bathe you and to, 
to be a part of, of, of your daily walk with him. And then finally, just to pray, to take the opportunity to, to be in God's presence. Not just saying words out loud to say words, but, but think about how can I just spend time listening for God and just bask in his glory. That this morning as I got to the office and I was preparing, I, I, I sit down and I do my normal prayer routine and, and there was a moment or five minutes of silence where sometimes I'll skip over because I don't have time for that. But I realize whenever I skip over that opportunity, that five minutes, I'm skipping out of the opportunity for God to bathe me in his love, to bathe me in his power, to bathe me in his gracious kindness and goodness. And every single time that I do that, it, it never fails. I always end by praising God. No matter what may be happening in my life right now, I give praise to God for all that he has given to me. You know, this past week I had a gentleman come into my office who is preparing for a very difficult time in his life. We sat down and we were talking and he was getting the pre-directives ready for a possible service that he might have because he's going in for a very serious surgery. And, and he honestly doesn't know if he's going to make it after that surgery. And, and as we sat there and we talked, I heard all of these things become a part of, of, of who he is. He was looking for those things to be grateful for. There are some treatments that he's already been a part of that has, that has caused healing in his body and healing in his life. And, and he was saying, you know, I give thanks to God for that. I, I once wasn't able to taste anything, but because of this new treatment, I'm, I'm starting to, to, to have taste in my mouth, and, and it feels so good. He was looking for ways to help others by, by giving comfort and peace to his family during this difficult time, and he wanted them to be connected to the love that God has for him. He, he, he was immersing himself in God's word. He said, you know, I, I spend hours upon hours during the day reading scripture because I know that that helps me to, to understand God's active and alive in my life. And of course, I pray. I pray for God to be, to be with me as I prepare for this surgery. I pray for God to be with my family, to, to give them comfort just in case something were to happen. But I praise God because I know that he is a good God. I praise God because I know that, that even though I may be going under the surgery and, and things may not turn out how I would like, but I will praise God and I will speak life into the situation because God has given me life right now to praise him. And as we sat there and talked, I was like, wow, to have that faith, to have that sense of God's presence in your life is, is a gift. It's something to be grateful for. It's something to, to know that even in the midst of life's hardest difficulties, knowing 
that as he goes underneath this surgery, that he may not come out, he says, I give thanks to God for what he has done in and through me. That's a testimony. That's a testimony to live and to understand. And I think one of the last ways that we can really see how to live in gratitude is by journaling. So over the next six weeks, you are going to get some spiritual practices to hopefully kind of get us in this replacement thinking. The first one is in your bulletins. Hopefully you have one. We can make some more copies or we can get you a copy. If you and all of your family wants to have a copy of this, we'll make sure that you have it. But this is a gratitude journal. And this gratitude journal goes all the way through the last Sunday of this series, which is the last Sunday before we move into the series, the season of Lent on February the 19th. And what I challenge you to do, and, and Tracy and I, we're going to do this too. We're going to go through, and, and I want you to, you know, you don't have to get too in-depth with this if you want to. Just name three things every day that you're grateful for. Name three things that you are absolutely thankful for. It could be that, you know, I, I found my shoes this morning. Because that's kind of an important thing. You don't want to walk out of your house without your shoes on. Or, or, or maybe your kids allowed you to, to sleep through the night without uh, waking you up. Or maybe your, your fur babies allowed you to sleep through the night without waking you up. All of those different things are things that you can be grateful for, and I want you to write them down. Because as we move through this opportunity to look at how love, joy, peace, faith, and hope, if we have this, this lens of gratitude that is guiding us through this, we too can continue to put on the mind of Christ to allow him to transform us, to mold us, and to move us so that we may be a living example of his love and grace and so that others may see Christ in us. Let us pray. Oh God, we give you thanks today. We thank you that you have given us life. We thank you for a place to grow in our faith. We thank you for new friendships. We thank you for new opportunities to serve. But Lord, first and foremost, we give thanks for you because you have poured out your great love on each and every one of us. And you call us to be grateful for those around us. So Lord, guide us and lead us so that we may be your disciples and live in your truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.